I like the new song. And I like your new intro. <laughs> three, three times, that's fun. Three times a charm. Father, we love your word. Father, we love you. I just have a real sense that there's healing. There, there, there's healing going on. As I was, as I was worshiping, I could just, I could just feel like that, that, that people that have had chronic illness, chronic, chronic pain. I just felt Jesus just walking up to you. I saw him putting his hands on you and healing was flowing from the top of your head to the tip of your toes. Healing just kept flowing. Healing just keeps flowing and it's aligning every part of your body that needed to be aligned. Bringing wholeness to every cell. And, I, and then I saw a picture of him when he was being whipped. And every, every lash that went on his back, he was saying your name. He was saying your name. That these stripes were for you. That that chronic pain does not belong to you. I took it, I took it. His heart towards you. Amen. Jesus, we love you. Father, just use me however you want to use me. Thank you for your grace and for your anointing. I need you. Speak in the name. We open our ears to hear what you have to say. And our hearts are open. We don't want to leave here the same. We don't want to leave here the same. We want to leave here changed and hungry and on fire for you. Amen. Just give me a moment to collect myself. I also speak healing to every person that didn't make it to church today and is watching online. You're healed in Jesus' name. You're healed in Jesus' name. All right. Well, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're still back on the relationship series. It's almost to an end, um, but today we're gonna talk about when the heart breaks. When the heart breaks, because a lot of times with relationships and within relationships, our hearts get broken. People hurt us. In fact, you can almost guarantee that that is going to happen. That's people. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. It's, it, it, it's a good chance that at some point in time somebody's going to hurt us and, and it's going to break our heart. But God, even in the Bible, He speaks about broken hearts. He speaks to broken hearts. In Psalms 34, verse 18, it says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. I would say that almost all of us have experienced heartbreak one, at one point of our life or are experiencing it right now. We've experienced it through um, abandonment, through abuse, through
through divorce, whatever kind we've, we've experienced, through words that people have spoken over us, through things that we've heard people say, we've experienced it at some point or another. But there's no measurement, there's no, there's no measurement for what pain is worth. You, you can say, well, I went through this and you went through this and what I went through was worse. But the reality is, is heartbreak's heartbreak. Broken pieces are broken pieces. I remember one time I was a teenager and uh, we were in school and I had a best friend. And I remember walking into a room and uh, her back was to me. And another group of friends were standing there and her back was to me and I remember walking in the room and she was talking about me. And she was my best friend. And she was, she was saying terrible things. And I, I remember the feeling of that moment as it was like betrayal. It was abandonment, it was a lot of things. And you know what, that affected me for years. For years it affected me. And I've had many other things that you probably would say, oh, well, those things were worse that you went through. But like I said, heartbreak's heartbreak. Hurt is hurt. And so, no matter what you've gone through, you can some, we can sometimes take it like, oh, well, you know, what I went through is not as bad as somebody else, but yet your heart is still broken. And God wants to, heal, God wants to speak to you today. Nothing gets better until you recognize that you have a problem, that you have pain. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans and the thoughts. A lot of you know this verse. That I have for you, says the Lord, plans for peace and for well-being and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. If you have pain in your life, if you have hurt in your life, that's not peace. There's no peace in that. So therefore, that's not the plan that God has for you. For you to keep ignoring it and not deal with it and push it aside and say it's not that big of a deal. His plan for you is to have peace in your life so then he would want to heal that pain. We need to be willing to give him all the pieces. He won't, he won't force his way into your heartbreak. He'll stand at the door and knock, but he won't force himself. If we want complete healing, we need complete surrender. So this morning I'm gonna talk about hurt. I'm gonna talk about the realities of emotional hurt. Number one, life hurts. That's depressing, hey? Like, you're gonna get hurt, life hurts. We, we, we don't live in a perfect world. There are going to be times where our hearts get hurt. But number two is unless you deal with pain properly, it will accumulate in your heart. It'll accumulate. It accumulates, it doesn't go away. Emotional pain gets worse over time. Time heals nothing when it comes to emotional pain. Time heals nothing, it only gets worse. It only gets worse. The body will naturally heal itself, but emotions heal in the presence of God. 
Number three, accumulated pain and unresolved problems compromise our mental, emotional, spiritual, and relational health. So it's accumulated pain. Pain, we just, we, we keep ignoring and it just keeps getting added to. It begins to compromise how we see things. It compromises how we see God. It compromises how we see others. It compromises how much of you I will let into my life. It compromises everything. It compromises how I react to situations. It compromises how I, how I react in my job. It compromises how I hear things when I come to church. It compromises everything. Ooh. Do you like that point? <laughs> it compromises on every level. If you have had pain and you haven't dealt with it, it has compromised you in some way. Number four is we all have ways of dealing with pain, whether good or bad. We all experience it, because we heard that at the beginning, life hurts. So we all experience pain, but we all deal with it either good or bad. But there are ways that are bad that are the most common ways that we deal with pain. And the first one that the human body does is we medicate. We medicate our pain. We, we will use whatever means necessary just to, to make the pain go away. So we'll use food or sex or drugs or alcohol or TV or books, fantasy books, try to escape, but we will medicate the pain. David, if we look at the life of David, we were talking about this before service started. Um, in the prayer room. If you, if you look at the life of David, David was, he was a shepherd and he was by himself in the field. And a prophet came to anoint the next king. And David's dad lines up all of his sons except for David. And says, here, here's the boys. And so the prophet comes and he's like, no? I mean, he's like, these are good looking guys. But no, I think seems to be like there's one missing. Is there another one? And he's like, oh, well, there's David. Can you imagine? <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> there's David. Should I get him? <laughs> yeah, you should. And then, oh, yeah, that's David. David, David's brothers made fun of him when he went to, um, when he went to go see Goliath. Saul betrayed him. David had children die. And David medicated with sex. David liked the ladies. But the, the thing is, is, is that the alcohol, the sex, all the, the drugs, all of that, that's not the real issue. The real issue is unresolved pain. Pain that's not been healed. That's the issue. Is that I've got pain in my heart but I'm medicating it with something else. If you put a substance in a healed person's hand, they won't abuse it because they don't need to. If you put a substance in an unhealed, if you, excuse me, if you take a substance away from an unhealed person, they'll find another substance to replace it. 
The next way that we deal with pain in our life, I should say bad way that we deal with it, not way that we want to deal with it. Bad way is we motivate. We make ourselves so busy that you don't have to think about it. I don't want to think about it. Uh, motivators, people that, people that don't want to think about the pain, uh, they're ones that will have the TV on, We've got to listen to music. They, they don't want any silence at all because once I get silent or once I get still, the ghosts show up. I, I don't want, I need to be as busy as possible because I don't want to hear my own self. Because the pain begins to bubble up. And the thing about this, the thing about the way um, this one works is you think that there's nothing wrong with it. I'm just driven. I'm just trying to get better. I'm on a better life. And so I'm just building into my future. And so you often look at it as like, it's not as bad as somebody who drinks alcohol and gets drunk every night. But you're still running. You're still running. Solomon. Solomon was a son of scandal. He was David's son. And this is what he has to say. Solomon was somebody who um, was, a, was, motiva he was a motivator to run away from his pain. Look at what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 9. So I became great, and I excelled more than all who preceded me in Jerusalem. My wisdom also remained with me. Whatever my eyes looked at with desire, I did not refuse them. I did not withhold from my heart any pleasure, for my heart was pleased because of all my labor. And this was my reward for all my labor. Then I considered all which my hands had done and labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and chasing after the wind. And there was no profit, nothing of lasting value under the sun. He was driven, driven. And then at the end, he says, wasn't, it was nothing. It didn't even mean anything. I got to the end of my life, and I was just racing after things, realized, and he did great things. That's the crazy thing. He did great things. He was just driven. He was running from his pain. And, and people who are motivated, motivators, what they end up often doing is they end up going into a business relationship with God rather than a personal relationship. I'll just leave that there. The next way is the meditators. They meditate on it. They're, they're the ones that will just stew on the pain. And they'll think about it, and they'll think about it, and they'll think about it, and they'll rehearse it, and they'll go over it in their heads. Absalom, which was also David's son, did this. We read about um, we read about this, or we talked about this story briefly uh, last week when Absalom had a sister, and his sister Absalom had a sister and a brother, and his brother right wanted his sister, and then he ended up raping her, and and uh, Absalom went to his father David and was like, this this happened. He 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 raped my sister. He raped your daughter. 
David did nothing about it. And Absalom was so upset about it that he stewed on it for seven years until it made him crazy. But he kept rehearsing it, he kept reliving it. And that's another way that we deal with the pain. We deal with it either through medicating, through staying busy, or rehearsing it over and over again. All bad for you. All deadly, eventually. Pain in a family will come out like either the medicator, the motivator, or the meditator. Medicators will cause pain because of their addictions. Motivators will cause pain because of their avoidance. I'm just staying busy. I don't got time. I'm just staying busy. And meditators will cause pain because of their attacks, because of their emotional outbursts that will come. And it'll come towards anyone. It doesn't necessarily towards the person that hurt them. It will just come out because they're stewing on it. Anger will just come out. The only way to stop the hurt and totally resolve it is to turn toward God. It's the only way. You, you, can, you can deal with it and, and, and you can take steps and, and those are all great things and I'm not even against them at all. But that verse rings true when he says, I heal the broken hearted. That's what I do. There's a special grace to that. He doesn't turn his back on broken. So many times we think we have to be strong. And I, I've said this a hundred times. We think that we have to be the strong ones when we go towards God, like I got it together. This is what he does. He takes broken lives and makes them whole. He takes broken hearts and gives them healing. He takes broken pieces and puts them back together. You do not have to be all together to show up to talk to God. It's what he wants to do. So how do we deal with past hurts? We get honest before God. You can't heal the things that you continue to hide. You can't keep denying. When you hide from God, you hide from your healing. When I say get honest before God, I mean you, you go to him and say, okay, I'm in pain. I, I'm actually in pain. This actually hurts. Some of the, the most amazing things about when your heart is broken and you go before God, there actually isn't anything that you have to do except for say, I'm hurting, I need you to heal my heart. We, we think that there's something that we should be doing and it's really, I'm, I'm, I'm so broken. But this is what happens, this is what happens, okay? So you need to be aware of this, is when you're, when you begin to push past the fear, because there'll always be fear, when, when it comes to going to that place that's painful in your heart, there'll always be fear that will try to stop you. And that's the enemy. 
And so once you say, no, you know what? I heard this message this morning. I, I, I'm not gonna be afraid. A lot of times what you're afraid of is, who am I gonna be after this? What am I gonna look like? What if I fall apart? What if I fall apart so bad that my world falls apart? That's what you're fearful of usually. Once you decide you're gonna push past that fear, I'm going for it, I'm doing it. I don't care if the world falls apart. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna push past it. What will hit you right away is shame. As soon as you push past the fear, I'm coming out. Then the enemy will come and hit you with shame. Are you for real? You're going to reveal that? You're gonna talk about that? How do we know this? Because, because Satan did it to Adam and Eve in the garden. What'd they say? We were naked, so we hid ourselves. We were ashamed, that's what they said. So the enemy will use those things to stop you from dealing with the pain in your life. The pain in your, if you, if you don't deal, the reason why he doesn't want you to deal with the pain in your life is because it holds you from your destiny. Another reason why he doesn't want you to deal with the pain in your life and we'll talk about this in a minute, I'm getting ahead of myself, is because there are lies attached to it, lies about God. But we won't talk about that right now. <laughs> we'll wait. But he, he will slap you with fear and shame so that you won't deal with the pain. And this is important that you know this, that if you ever begin to hear in your, in your thoughts, things that sound like fear or things that sound like shame. Shame saying, you're worthless, you're stupid, how could you? Of the, any of those, that never sounds like God. God never, ever, 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 listen to me, most important thing you could take away right now, he never sounds like fear when he speaks, ever. He never sounds like shame, ever. So if you're hearing that, it's not God. It's the enemy to hold you. Remember this, it's never, ever, ever. So when, when all of a sudden you're doing the dishes, I don't know, cooking supper, mowing the lawn, soon I hope, not me, but other people, uh, mowing the, <laughs> I didn't say that, Jerry. <laughs> um, but if, if, if that, and you begin to think those thoughts, catch yourself and recognize, wait a minute, God is not speaking to me right now. And those are also not my own thoughts. Fear and shame sound like Satan. Thanks, Roberta. Pain hurts until it's healed. When God touches pain, he heals it. The next way to, to deal with the pain in your life is to um, get responsible, take responsibility for your pain to God. So, people hurt us. People will say things and they, like, like I said, that, that, that friend of mine, I walk in and I hear her talking about me. She caused it, for sure, okay? She, she caused the heartbreak. It was, some, it was her actions, okay? But it was my responsibility. 
I, I felt that, it, that was my pain, that that was on me. I'm, a lot of times what we do is we, we will look at somebody and say, we will look at our pain and we'll say, they caused it, they caused my pain. They did this, that's why I'm upset. They did this, that's why I hurt. They did this, that's why my, my heart is broken. And there's a truth in that. But if I put my responsibility on them, as in they're my problem, then they have to be my solution. So, meaning I am going to have to hear that I am terribly sorry for what I said to you for me to get free. So I take responsibility. Yes, did those, yes, that happened for sure. But God, my heart is broken. I'm in pain. I feel abandoned. I feel whatever. I, I feel abandonment, God. That's me taking responsibility. I don't feel abandonment because they hurt me, God. Do something about them. Do something about me and the abandonment that I feel. Because I should be in a place God wants us in a place of where I can be free. I can be healed even if that person never does anything. I'm going to take responsibility for the way that I feel. The next one is mercy from God for me and to those who have hurt me. In other words, forgiveness. Forgiveness for you, forgiveness for me. Oprah, you get forgiveness. Get forgiveness. We can't go forward unless we have forgiven. You can't move forward unless you've forgiven. Luke 6, 27 says, But I say to you who hear me and pay attention to my words, love that is unselfishly, love that is unselfishly seek the best or higher good for your enemies your enemies. Make it a practice to do good to those who hate you. If you can't bless them, you probably haven't forgiven them. And that is a hard pill to swallow. Test it. I've done it. Test it. Sit down. Take your enemy and begin to bless the socks off of them. And if you feel in your stomach, you probably haven't forgiven them. That's how you know. There's probably still some unforgiveness. But keep doing it because what happens when you begin to bless somebody is you actually begin, your heart begins to change towards them. And a lot of times what will happen is God will show you his heart towards them. Or he'll show you um, why they've done the things that they've done. And you'll have a heart of mercy towards them. But it comes from a place of blessing. Is it easy? No, but just keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep blessing them. Next one is depend on the Holy Spirit for emotional healing and health. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions, joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be 
limitless. This is what the Holy Spirit does. Next one is authority over the devil's lies and deception. And this is what I said before. The problem with pain isn't always just the pain. It's the lies that are behind it. it it's, it's what the devil whispered to you in the middle of pain. It's his favorite time to whisper. It's his favorite time to begin to speak. You notice it in Adam and Eve when the father came to them and they said this, we covered ourselves because we were naked. And what did God say to them? Who told you? Who told you? So the enemy will whisper to you lies always in the middle of pain. We see it many times when we, when we counsel and we speak to people. That's usually what we're looking for is the lie. Because the pain can be healed, but the lie will be what you live from. It becomes how you think and it becomes how you see. Some of us who, who've been abused will hear the things like, I'm worthless. And so then we conduct our lives that way. We talk to people that way. We make choices from that place. The enemy's favorite time is to speak in pain. He also likes to speak when you sin because he works in fear and shame. So when you mess up, he loves to talk to you in that time to keep you bound. Ephesians 4.26 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So he says, it's, be angry, that's cool. You can be upset, that's fine. But don't sin when you're angry. Don't go kicking any walls or kicking any people. Smack, or keying people's cars or slashing tires, okay? Be angry, don't sin. Whoever's laughing, that's something you think, where are you? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Everyone watch your tires, just kidding. Um, but then it says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Don't go to bed angry. Don't go to bed angry. Why? Because you'll give an opportunity to the devil. He begins to speak. He begins to whisper lies. Am I angry? Let's deal with this. Am I upset? Why am I upset? Why am I upset? I wasn't planning on sharing this. I'll just share it real quick. Um, we've been going through this process and, and uh, we talked about the Genesis process. And, and one of the um, questions during the process is this. When was the last time you're angry? When was the last time that you were angry? And then after you answer that question, the next one is, what were you afraid of? What was I afraid of? And I, I really, I was reading that question, I'm like, I don't, I'm not understanding. I'm not understanding what the, what's behind that. I'm angry and afraid of what, you know? And so I thought of the last time that I was angry and uh, um, I, 
I, I, you know, it's like, I, I'm not somebody that, you know, like has a real temper, but I was trying to remember, and I remember the last time I was angry was at Judah and his schoolwork. And I was trying to help him with his schoolwork and he wouldn't, he, he was like, I can't see it. And it was, the answer was right in front of him. And I'm like, oh my God, this is driving me crazy. And so I got upset, I got angry. So I'm like, okay, that's like, that's the last time that I remember being angry. He's like, okay, now what were you afraid of? Nothing. I was angry that Judah didn't finish, wasn't doing his schoolwork, you know, but when I really thought deeper, when I really thought deeper, my, my, my deep emotion is we've been going through things with Judah. And, and, and my actual reason for being angry was I was, and the reason that I was afraid was I was scared that if I can't teach him this, then I'm gonna lose him. If, if I can't, if I can't even get this through to him, I'm not gonna get through to him at all. And see, there's lies that are hidden in the middle of our anger. There's lies that are hidden in the middle of our pain. And so then God began to reveal even deeper. So I'm gonna lose him. And then he reveals even deeper because, this is the lie, because you think you lose things that you love. I lose things I love. And so I'm, I've had the enemy whisper in my pain and this affects all that I am, how I see things, how I interact. And recognizing that the enemy speaks in the middle of pain. And so God not only wants to deal with the pain, he wants to deal with the lies that the enemy has spoken to you and replace it with his truth. Some have things that will, lies that we hear in the middle of our pain or I will never succeed. I'm worthless. I have no value. I can't trust people. I can't trust God. God doesn't love me. God is disgusted by me. God isn't even real. If God loved me, this wouldn't have ever happened to me. I'm too sinful. I'm not Christian enough. I don't fit in. I'm a misfit. I am misunderstood and on and on. But God wants those places healed. Healing is a lifelong process. It's lifelong. You may not be dealing with big things, but there's, it's constant. It's a constant thing where God will be like, I wanna to talk to you about this. Oh, I didn't realize that was there. It's also lifelong because we're called to each other. And we're gonna hurt at some point. Heart's gonna break at some point. So it's lifelong. It's nothing that we stop, but it's, with, it, it, it's God and us. But a lot of times we don't wanna go through the entire healing process. We wanna be healed right now and call her a day. And so we'll begin the process, but when it doesn't happen fast enough, we shut it down, cover it up and carry on. But here's the thing, when it comes to the physical body, if I were to have surgery and, and, and the doctor, the surgeon comes to me and says, all right, uh, you're gonna be laid up for six weeks. 
And you're gonna have to have people come alongside you and help you. And uh, you're not gonna be able to move, you're gonna have to take time off work, all the things. And I would say, yeah, that seems legit. I need to do that. I don't get frustrated halfway through when they've done a you know, full operation on my leg. I don't get three days in and be like, you know what, forget it, you know, I'm going out. It's not gonna work, but we understand that healing is a long process, it takes time. But when it comes to our emotional health or, or when it comes to our own heart, it's like, this needs to happen tonight, it needs to happen. And sometimes it does, don't get me wrong. But a lot of times it's a journey. But we get frustrated because it's not happening fast enough. Psalms 147 verse three says, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. That word bind actually paints a picture of putting a cast putting a cast on you. So, so what, what does that mean? It means that when we put a cast on, it's holding things, it's sustaining things, it's causing it not to get hurt, it's straightening it. It's, do you understand what I'm saying? So when he says, I bind up your wounds, he says, I'm covering you, I'm sustaining you, I'm holding you together. The first part of the verse says, I heal the broken heart, so I'm healing your brokenness but I'm also covering you. I'm also sustaining you. So that you can go through this process, you can, you can heal from your broken heart because not only is he covering you, like you said, you're worried about falling apart, he's covering you. And he's healing you all at the same time. I'm almost finished. I just, want to, I just want to point out this last, last part because it's important to all of us, this part. James, uh, verse 5, uh, chapter 5, verse 13. If anyone among you is suffering, let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. We not only, God not only heals us, but we heal within community. We have this saying in the, in the Genesis courses that if, how does it go? If you were, if you were hurt by relationships, you heal by relationships. That God, this is, the, this is where the church is, and, and we've fallen short of it for many, many years, thinking that the church is just a place that we go to on Sunday. It's community. And the church is going this way globally, I believe it, where we need community. We need to come together. We need to surround each other, to cover each other. Is what the Bible says, confess your sins one to another so that you can be healed. What does that speak of? Community covering each other. Look at this. Isaiah 61, 
verse one. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Now this speaks of Jesus, but it also speaks of us. So let's read it again. This is me. What am I anointed to do? This is you. What are you anointed to do? The Spirit of God, the Lord God is upon me, is upon you, because the Lord has anointed you to bring good news to the poor. He has sent you to bind up the brokenhearted. We just talked about binding. What is that? Cover, sustain, hold. This is community. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. It's done within community. And the, the most amazing thing about community is it, it's, a, it's a come and go kind of thing. Like, not come and go, that's not the right word. Um, there's gonna be times where I'm broken and you cover me. Times where you speak into my life. Times that you dig into my life. Times where, where but then there's going to be times where you're brokenhearted. And I cover you. But I am anointed. Not just because I'm the pastor. Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. But guess what? You too. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you and He has anointed you. You are anointed to proclaim the good news and to bind up the brokenhearted. Proclaim liberty to the captives. This is community. This is recognizing that, that, that we together don't have to keep things hidden in the dark, but can bring things to the light. For God to heal, for God to heal, because He wants to, because He because He wants to heal the brokennesses, the broken pieces in your life, but to also be surrounded by your community. How good is that? God is so good. So, and Adam, you can come. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. We read this already. I know the plans. I want you to hear the Father say this over you. I know the plans that I have for you says the Lord, plans to prosper you and give you a future and a hope. Plans to give you peace. Plans to give you peace. If there's areas of your life that are not in peace, bring it to God. He wants to heal those places. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. thank you, God, that every time you speak a word, every time you reveal a word, every time you bring it, Father, that there's an anointing and a gracing for healing. And so, Father, I pray over every person here 
dealing with a broken heart. And that they've kept it covered or tried to walk away from it or tried to run away from it. But Father, you're revealing it this morning because you want to heal it. Because you want peace to flow into their lives. Because you want healing to flow into their lives. And so, Father, I thank you for your strength and for your grace to deal with the pain. Father, what you touch, you heal. What you touch, you set free. What you touch, you deliver. God, touch the places of our hearts. Touch the places of our lives that need healing, God. Reveal lies in the midst of it. Lies that that we've seen about you. Lies that we've heard about ourselves. All of those things, Father. Reveal those lies. And replace it with the truth. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Um, A lot of times when I have, when God has uncovered a lie in my life, whatever it is, like, um, like I said, I lose things I love. A lie like that. I'll always... Once, it's, once that lies revealed, I will always ask him, what do you say? What do you say? And it doesn't have to be something huge and profound. Honestly, sometimes it is. Sometimes it blows me away. But it takes me getting quiet with God and saying, okay, what do you say? Instead of that, what do I replace it with? And he'll want to replace it with the truth. I love you guys.